Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. Which you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't, it happens. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. If you look at the contrast between the policies, between the record, by the way, one of Biden's best points was when he said all of these attacks back and forth about my family and his family, they don't matter, what matters is your family. That, that may have been Biden's best moment, actually. Um, and, and I... So you don't believe voters are moved by the Hunter Biden stuff? I, I don't think it moves a single voter. Huh. I, I, and, and I'm glad, look, I think that, what was it, about 10, 15 minutes where they were slamming each other's families and going back and forth. I think that was kind of... You think that was a wash, basically? That I don't see as as moving votes significantly. Look, it's a, it, this is not about Hunter Biden. The hard drive from hell is about Joe Biden. This shows you how Joe Biden has been compromised by the Chinese Communist Party financially. I mean, and there's going to be more emails coming out today, more deals with the Chinese Communist Party by a host of news sites are going to be putting them up all day directly from the hard drive and not refuted at all by any of the parties. In fact, tonight on Fox News, you're going to have Tucker Carlson is going to be out with, uh, with Bobolinsky uh, again with recordings and direct conversations he had with Joe Biden. Joe Biden right now, Maria, is in the witness protection program. The reason he's not on the campaign trail is not simply the fact he doesn't have a closing argument, and he doesn't have the energy. They're hiding him because they understand that any question by the press at all, he has no answer for. This is only going to get worse. And, and the, the tech oligarchs are trying to suppress this information with how they do searches, but it's exploding. And it's particularly exploding if you look at the targeted searches. It's exploding exactly in the parts of the country the Biden campaign does not want. People are thirsting for this information. They want to make a fully thought through decision. This is now a referendum on Joe Biden and his character, right? And what he's done with the Chinese Communist Party in selling us out, selling working class people out. So this is going to be, I think, in the in the last seven days of this campaign. As you know, Trump's the best closer we've ever had. He's making a closing argument. Joe Biden's in hiding. If Joe Biden comes out, the first thing he has to address is being compromised, not just corruption. It's corruption that led to compromise by our greatest enemy, and that is the Chinese Communist Party. You see, if you listen to the war room every day, you get that. You get that in space. You know, you know Maria Bartiromo, I'm giving it, that's why I'm giving it to the, uh, to, the, to the Wall Street crowd. Welcome. It's Tuesday, uh, 27 October, year of our Lord 2020, one week from today. The most important election in the history of the Republic, and that comes from 250 flag officers that sent that letter uh, to, uh, to President Trump. It's got to be seven weeks ago. John Frederick's Radio Network, Real America's Voice, Rob Sig, Howard Diamond, the team over there doing an amazing job. The, the content with John Solomon, Raheem Kassam, the, the, they have really made a powerhouse 
punch way above their weight. I love people who punch above their weight. Dish Channel 219, Comcast Channel 113 in Chicago, Newsmax TV all over the, the uh, United States, Newsmax, 70 million homes, Chris Ruddy. Of course, G News and GTV, which are blowing up. I think G News I saw yesterday is doing 10 or 12 million page views a day. This is uh, – it's it's explosive. I would definitely say that that is – the now the New York Press that is that is tabloid Chinese journalism right we're seeing that that is the New York Post in in uh, in Mandarin with an edge with an edge tabloid with an edge just go to the site if you do nothing else just look at the pictures so uh, we're going to have uh, Joe Hoff from Gateway Pundit big breaking news on the Gateway uh, Jack Posobiec from One America is going to join us about Philadelphia major riot there last night twelve police officers hospitalized. I want to go to Ted Cruz. This is let's go to War Room and go to um, something that's very important about the Republican Party and where it goes from here. Ted Cruz is a fabulous guy, great guy. Was really the last man standing in the 2016 uh, primary. But this is why he's not the presidential candidate in 16. This is why he's not president. This is why it's called not getting it at a very fundamental level. Remember. President Trump actually went and mocked uh, Biden a few seconds later because Ted Cruz goes, that's the best line he had, your family. That is a standard stock phony, phony political line. That's what a political co- uh, a consultant puts in guys like Ted Cruz's head. And he goes, oh, no, when I'm getting attacked, I'm going to pivot and say it's about your family. And Trump <laughs> mocked Biden. He goes, that's just a political line. The age of populism and nationalism is not about being a phony. It's about giving it to you with the bark on, okay? Actually, I guess in this regard, give it to you with the bark off. Give it to you the real way. <laughs> so, and the, jump, jump in here, but, but, but also, Ted, it's not about, he has, oh, you know, their family. It's not about Ivanka and Jared versus Hunter Biden. This is not about Hunter Biden. And I understand, Ted, your wife still works at Goldman Sachs or somehow associated with Goldman Sachs. Uh, and I used to work at Goldman Sachs back when it was a private partnership in the greatest investment bank in the world, which it is not today, right? Um, the, but, but this is about selling us out to the Chinese Communist Party. And, Ted, you're just not looking at the numbers correctly. It's changing votes, right? It's changing votes, particularly Senator Cruz. Working class Catholics in places like Wisconsin, in places like North random places like Northeast Pennsylvania, and it's going to change a lot of votes because there's a lot more to come. And in fact, uh, I want to know if Ted's going to be saying that after Tucker Carlson tonight. Tucker Carlson is going to have Bo Belinsky on there uh, to blow up, you know, exact recordings. National Pulse is breaking massive news, real audio in Hunter Biden's voice, and National Pulse is going to be breaking it all day. Remember, this thing has twenty five thousand images. It's got forty thousand emails and texts. It has five hours of audio. And you hear it in you hear it in, in Hunter Biden's own voice, in his partner's own voice, and there's some stuff in the audio, and they have not come back. And the reason they're not coming back and saying it's Russia thing, they know the guys are coming back, or other guys on those email chains are blowing us up and going, please, please, no, we'll sign an affidavit, no more. Jack Maxey and the team over Revolver, hey, an explosive story coming out of the Revolver, and a big shout out to everyone who's out there. We, there's this company called Eudora Global. Eudora Global is, in my mind, basically a sham company for the benefit of princelings of, shall we say, the left side of the street. 
Somebody needs to look into this. I was contacted a few days ago by somebody in Latin America concerning Ocho Global, their gaming operation down there. Did Harry Reid or Joe Biden potentially do any lobbying on behalf of Ocho Rio Gaming with Latin American countries? Big question mark. Tons of stuff. I want to go. Before we bring Bill McGinley, we got the one and the only Bill McGinley. What he was telling you three months ago, Nancy Pelosi is doing today. We're going to get into all the legal, breaking tons of news here. What is National Pulse? This is what I love about National Pulse. Exactly what I love about Natalie Winters because she does all the work. What? I, but they go into you. No, it's like a new man. You used to always know. You went actually into the audio. Yeah. And tell well, tell the audience about the audio overall. I'll quote from one of the titles of the audio pieces. It's the most genius S ever is Hunter Biden's title of some of his voice memos. So we're going to roll out his most genius S ever today. You can hear it for yourselves. But I just want to go back to Ted Cruz for a second, Steve, before this. There was, I don't know if anybody knows this Madison Sinclair record, some kind of legal journal, right? And and they run an editorial from their team, their editorial board, last October. 2019. And they say this, after nearly 50 years in elective office, Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden has accumulated a large collection of folksy and phony personal narratives that he rehashes whenever he feels the need to remind voters what an unpretentious regular guy he is. A favorite is the one about how, just like us, he sits with the family around the dinner table at night fretting about the bills that need to be paid. Sure he does. This is a guy who plagiarized his way through law school and then served two years on a county council in Delaware before getting elected to U.S. Senate at the age of 30. The man has never held a real job or worked an honest day in his life. Somehow, however, during five decades of public service, he became a millionaire. As we are now learning, his son Hunter got rich without really working, trading on dad's position and influence and intercession as senator and VP. Sweetheart deals in Ukraine and China are the most glaring examples. There are, there are plenty of others, foreign and domestic. So how does Ted Cruz get suckered into one of these folksy and phony stories? No, and, and, get, and, and led into it by Jonathan Swan, who is smart as it is, just led you down that path. Remember, this is the difference between populism, nationalism, and old-school establishment republicanism. No, Ted. Note to self, and have your consultants write this down. The phoniest line of the entire night. And by the way, even the focus group said that. And Trump attacks him for... Oh, no, I'm being attacked. It's not your family. It's not my family. It's your family, right? So it's so phony, so stupid. And how you could repeat that is redonkulous. Also, connect the dots. As I said on Maria today, right, this is the difference of the industrial logic of the Biden. It's not about Hunter Biden. Take Hunter Biden out of your mind. It's not Hunter versus Ivanka, right? It's not Hunter versus Jared. That's not what this is about. As I said on Maria, you wouldn't see this problem because the, the, the Trump family and the extended family are patriots, real patriots. Not somebody sends your drug junkie son into the Navy, gun decking him in there, right, that he can then, you know, basically sell or distribute drugs to enlisted men. That's why the Navy, you understand something, Joe Biden. The Navy detests you. They were waiting. The very first time your hapless son shows up shows up to a naval base in Norfolk, Virginia to report for duty. <laughs> they drug test him. It's got to be the first time in history. I have a little question about this, too, okay? This guy's a 43-year-old lawyer, and he gets an appointment to the Navy. My impression when we used to watch those guys at OCS, the three-week guys who yep. should learn how to salute yep. and march around. Yep. Guy with a lawyer degree, I think he usually, he at least would be a JG. 
Now, here's the real. He'd also key- be a jag. He'd right. be a jag officer. He was a PAO. Yeah. Here's the key thing <laughs> that I want to know. I want to know. We have to believe that our own intelligence services knew everything about Hunter 100%. Biden's behavior. 100%. Did DNI uh, or did uh, DIA tip off Joe the Bi- Navy Je- about his Joe behaviors? Biden's got to come forward and say everything about gun decking his son and, and jeopardizing hardworking kids. You know, my daughter, West Point grad, who served in Iraq when Joe Biden was not getting the forces of uh, a forces agreement there. Right. They had to pull out in the middle of nowhere, left all that equipment there because Joe Biden closed the deal because he's not a closer. You're right. What did intelligence know? What did they know? What did what did D, uh, DIA, what did defense yeah. intelligence know about the drug use of Joe Biden? Joe, you're going to come have to come out of the hole eventually and stand and deliver for the American people. OK, let's bring in Bill McGinley. Uh, we got to get to McGinley. McGinley's now we've made McGinley. This is what we do. We make people stars. Now. Now we're jammed for time because he's got to go to Newsmax later. Right. <laughs> McGinley, come on here. You got a couple minutes. Just give us an overview from when you were last on and telling us about the lawfare part of the transition integrity project was going to be everything. We got about two minutes in a segment. Just give us a snapshot of where we are today with a week to go. OK, so when we talked last time, these court cases were in the lower district courts at the federal level, but also in the state courts. Last night, we got a decision out of the United States Supreme Court, uh, even though Justice Barrett had not been sworn in yet and didn't participate. And this had to do with the ballot receiving deadlines in Wisconsin. Um, and the Supreme Court threw out the Democratic attempt to add an extra six days. And the reason that they did it, Justice Kavanaugh drafted the, uh, the plurality opinion there. And basically what he said was that Article 2 of the United States Constitution vests the authority to change and prescribe the manner of elections to the state legislatures. Federal courts don't have that authority under the Constitution to just start rewriting the election laws. Um, And when we come back from the break, maybe we can talk about some of the interesting back and forth between Kagan and Kavanaugh. But also there's an interesting tell in there about Justice Roberts. Uh, But what this means is, is I think that the Democratic Party is really concerned about Pennsylvania. Uh, because remember that one went up and it was a four-four split. Justice Roberts went with the uh, uh, with the the liberals to to, to not overturn uh, a lower court opinion favoring the Republicans. Um, they're worried this case is going to go back up and ultimately the Republican Party is going to prevail um, on some of the ballot measures that okay. that the courts have been fooling B- with Bill, down in B- Pennsylvania. Bill, just hang so there's on. There's a lot going yeah, on. P- p- hang on. We're going to come back, get into all the details. Okay, Miles goes taking us out every day. We're also going to play the entire, the U.S. premiere of the entire video will be played at the end of this. this is, I love the song. Fight for Hong Kong. I get all jacked up when I listen to this. Hashtag war room pandemic. With Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. I just want to make sure everybody understands we love Ted Cruz. Just trying to make Ted a little more populist, a little more economic nationalist here. Remember, that's not a good line. Your family, that's a, that's a phony political line. Okay, uh, and rem- the industrial logic of this is they monetize access to Joe Biden. That's the family's business model. And now you're seeing it in living color. Not one person has refuted one email, not one text message, and not one photo. And later today on National Pulse, you're going to have the audio. Hunter Biden in his own voice. 
Hunter Biden his own voice. And I got to tell you, you're starting off with the nice ones. That's true. You're starting off with the nice ones. But they get a little, how do I say? I don't say kinky. Did I say that? <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> More later. Okay, I want to turn now back to Bill McGinley. Bill, walk us through the Supreme Court. Tell us about the back and forth. What's the tells of Roberts? And then I want you to tell, give us how important glorious ACB is. Sure. So from the decision last night, um, as typically happens in some of these decisions on important issues, the justices um, will actually fight it out in the footnotes. And so Justice Kavanaugh takes a very textualist view uh, by saying, look, Article 2 of the United States Constitution vests the authority uh, to prescribe the manner of elections in the state legislatures. doesn't say the governor, doesn't say the, 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 the secretary of state, doesn't say the state courts, doesn't say the federal courts. It says the state legislatures. If there's going to be a change in the voting session, uh, system in a state, it has to come from there. Kagan, on the other hand, takes on uh, Kavanaugh by saying, hey, wait a minute, what we need to do is we need to be looking to protect as many votes as possible, and the federal courts have a role to play in looking at this to make sure that we're not disenfranchising people who otherwise should be eligible to vote. And she says the federal courts should actually take this activist role. So you have Kavanaugh who has taken the strict interpretation of the, of the founders' intent by saying, look, Article 2 is very clear. State legislatures have this authority. If you're not a state legislature, you don't get to change it. Courts get to interpret it, but you don't get to change it. Kagan says on the liberal wing says, no, wait a minute, the federal courts have a role. And then John Roberts kind of comes up and splits the, splits the middle. And what he says, because remember, he sided with the liberals in the Pennsylvania decision. He says, I agree with Justice Kavanaugh in terms of federal courts not rewriting the election laws. And he votes with the Kavanaugh wing and Gorsuch wing and, and, and uh, uh, Thomas and Alito on this Wisconsin case because it was an appeal from the federal courts. But he says, wait a minute, when it comes to an appeal from a state Supreme Court, um, I take a different view. And I think that their interpretations of their state constitutions and how they apply their election laws should be given some weight, uh, crystallizing why he voted with the liberals in the Pennsylvania. So ACB's uh, ascension as an associate justice on the United States Supreme Court is really a seismic event um, for this election in the sense that if she adopts the Kavanaugh interpretation of the Constitution, meaning she strictly reads Article 2 and says, you can change election laws, but it has to be through the legislative process performed by the state legislatures as opposed to the court, um, this will basically pull back some of, the th some of the victories that the Democrats have had if there's appeals to the Supreme Court. If she adopts the, uh, the Roberts uh, line of reasoning, um, appeals, uh, uh, appeals that the Supreme Court receives from the state Supreme Court will probably be given more deference than appeals from the lower courts in the federal system. And so it's going to be interesting to see where she comes out. I think she's a strict textualist. I think ACB um, really is somebody who is going to be welcome on this court uh, because she's going to restore uh, the balance of power uh, by making sure that the Supreme Court performs the function it was intended to do, and that is um, to interpret the laws, not make the laws, uh, but also to ensure that the laws that are adopted uh, comply with the Constitution and not try to rewrite them. Let's go back to Pennsylvania and get down to the—you're the, the, saying—you've been telling me this for, for a while, 
the Democrats are concerned about Pennsylvania. Are they concerned about the timing of it? Are they concerned about this two envelope where you actually have to have? And remember, ladies and gentlemen, when you're looking at polling, remember, we're not talking about who's going to vote on game day versus who's going to mail in because these mail-ins, and I'm hearing out of Pennsylvania, guys are talking 15 or 20 percent may not be certifiable. Walk us through where we stand right now with this situation in Pennsylvania, Bill McGinley. Sure. So looking up the latest vote totals on U.S. Um, election projection, uh, which is a website, I hope I got that right, uh, run by a professor out of Florida. Um, as of this morning, he's reporting the total number of early votes and ma- mail-in plus in-person is 1,712,007 votes. Um, that breaks down 355,000 and change for Republicans and 1,193,000 and change uh, for Democrats. Of that, 311 ballots have been rejected uh, out of the mail-in pile. So if you look at the rejection, uh, uh, if you look at the rejection percentage, it's way below 15, 20 percent. Um, most of them are being accepted. Um, now, they may not, the, Pennsylvania, I believe, is one of the states that's not going to start opening the outer envelopes until uh, the close of the polls on Election Day. Um, so that number will probably increase. Um, due to one of the things we've heard a lot about is the naked ballots, which are uh, people who mail in their absentee ballot don't include the inner security envelope, which is basically the affidavit that provides the election official with the information necessary to confirm um, that you are indeed a registered voter uh, and to do the signature match and everything else. Um, so, you know, that, that number could go higher. But what this says is that a lot of people are voting um, and it's a significant number with a very low rejection rate based on uh, what they've received thus far, overwhelmingly Democratic. Um, one other thing that I would point out, Steve, and you and I kind of texted about this, um, somebody did a poll of the people who have already voted, and Joe Biden is obviously is up um, with the voters who have already early voted or mailed in their ballots. But President Trump is up with the people who have yet to vote, who intend to vote. Um, which means, as we've talked about for months, this is a turnout game. This is a get-out-the-vote game. This is uh, turning bodies out to the polls and making sure that people are prepared. If there's a problem, you are going to stay in line. You're not going to leave the line if you're waiting for one, two, four, nine hours to cast that ballot. That ballot is too important. We've talked about this for four to five months. Vote, vote, vote. And don't just vote. You know, just don't have you vote. Call your friends and neighbors and get them out to the polls as well. This election is way too important. Where is uh, where do we stand legally? I know there's big controversy about how many days, when it has to be postmarked, how they're going to count, when they're going to count. Where do we stand in the legal process in Pennsylvania? Um, they're trying to, to, to fi- they filed a cert petition with the U.S. Supreme Court. The Democrats are trying to revisit the decision. Uh, a couple of other decisions on signature mismatch and other things. The Republicans are intervening uh, to make sure that their voices are heard on this. Um, look, this this litigation scrum between the Republicans and the Democrats and the Democrats' like-minded outside group allies uh, with all of the litigation that they are going to file is going to continue right up to Election Day and beyond Election Day if this thing is close. There's going to be no shortage of, of court cases um, throughout the United States in these battleground states, whether it's Florida, Georgia, Arizona, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, 
Um, you can see them pop up in Iowa. Um, you may even have some in Maine because they do it by congressional district or Nebraska because they do it by congressional district. These guys are going to scratch and claw for every single advantage that they can try to gain through the court system and then try to run out the clock um, so that basically there's detrimental reliance and the courts are going to be reluctant to change the, the rules of the game on election day or after election day. Their, their calculus is if we can run out the clock uh, with some of the court decisions that we've received, uh, the courts are going to be loath to go back and throw out ballots because they didn't comply with the new deadline that's imposed on election day or after election day. So if anything, you might see a number of emergency filings uh, in some of the states where the Democrats feel that they can actually try and gain an additional advantage, which means that this battlefield could expand uh, depending upon how the Biden campaign feels about their turnout operation uh, and their potential uh, path for victory, uh, if they feel they can have it. And let's face it, I think everybody agrees the president is gaining ground. The president is turning the, the corner on this. This is getting closer and closer. And if he is able to keep the momentum going, the question is going to be, can he overtake Joe Biden in these battleground states uh, before and on Election Day? And that's why if you haven't voted yet, if you're deplorable, you need to basically clear the field on your calendar and get out there and vote on Election Day. Before we go, we're going to go to break in a second. Uh, just one question. we got about a, a minute left. Uh, as you see it right now, you still believe, as you and Raheem have talked about now for going on three months, that this, uh, this you know, President Trump will be leading on game day. But as you see it with, with this mass of, uh, of uh, mail-in votes, that this will go into some sort of overtime and be slugged out in, uh, in canvassing rooms and then in courtrooms? Yeah, look, I think we're going to know on election night whether we're going to end up in a protracted proce uh, process uh, of post-election uh, administrative and court litigation. And I think, you know, some of the states that have a history of actually being able to get the returns in early, such as uh, Florida and Georgia and Arizona and some of the others, um, if President Trump is winning those states, um, I think it lays the groundwork that we're going to be in for a very long process. Uh, if he falls in one of those, we're going to know pretty early that it's game, set, match for, for Joe Biden, which is why I can't say it enough, uh, Steve. Um, you got to get out there and vote. You can't be the guy or gal that wakes up on November 4th and say, God, if I just would have made a couple of hours to go cast that ballot, maybe it would have been different, a different result in my state. Don't, no regrets. You've got to get out there and be forward leaning and get out there and make sure that you cast your ballot. Hang on for a second, Bill. We're going to take a short break, bring you back. Remember, Bill McGinley's message. No whining, no tears, okay? Everybody out in this audience is a force multiplier. And if you're one of the Bernie bros that come in, we just want you to completely embrace exactly what the Biden, uh, you know, access machine does in selling you out to the Chinese Communist Party. Back in a moment. With Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Bill McGinley was a cabinet secretary in the first couple of years of the Trump administration, partnered Holtzman Vogel, uh, one of the top election lawyers around. Uh, a brilliant, has over the last several months walked us through what the problem is going to be as we get down to it. Uh, 
it, absolutely everything, every shot he's called has been absolutely correct. Raheem's been all over this, the Transition Integrity Project. Uh, but Bill McGinley, this is where I pride ourselves, giving you the signal, not the noise. If you watched this show three months ago, you heard all about this. I want to go now, Bill. What are the two or three things out there people should understand you're worried about or lawsuits you see coming up through the system that people should put on their should, should duly note? We should be watching all the lawsuits that are trying to throw out uh, the signature match verification process or the witness uh, requirement for mail-in or absentee ballots. These are just foundational uh, ways to just to verify uh, that the voter uh, who claims to have cast the ballot is indeed that individual um, because every, every election law is about preserving voter intent. Before you get the voter intent, there has to be some minimum safeguards to ensure uh, that the intent being expressed on the ballot is indeed the voter uh, who claims he or she is. This is not vote suppression tactics. These are just basic safeguards um, that every state, uh, most states have in the system passed by their state legislatures. So looking at those two, um, the other ones are going to be uh, continued lawsuits in the state courts trying to extend the, the absentee ballot receipt deadline. Uh, the reason that I'm worried about this is if we have a very close contest, say, in Pennsylvania, I think the Democrats are going to try and leverage some of the extremely long ballot receipt deadlines that they've achieved in other states uh, and try and say, why are these votes counting, but the ones in Pennsylvania are not? Kind of an equal protection argument. I think that they're going to try and use that uh, to try and get additional uh, uh, ballots in under ballot harvesting, where there may not be any sort of safeguard to ensure that those ballots were cast honor before election day and finally i'm very concerned about these court decisions out of pennsylvania where they set up these satellite locations to receive ballots but they're denying the candidates and the parties the opportunity to have observers there just to witness the process not to do anything not to play an active role but just to witness the process transparency is the key for building co building confidence uh, in the election process there should be full sunshine um, on everything that happens in connection with this election, because it's the only way that once we get a certified result out of a state, everybody has the confidence that the process was fair, that every va every valid vote was ballot was counted, um, and that people can have confidence in the results. When you try to pull the curtain on some of these activities, all it does is just make room for unfounded rumors. The the election officials in the state of Pennsylvania need to understand transparency is the key to successful election administration. Trust the transparent process. That's what we got to do. By the way, the fight is uh, is going to be on this. I realize we're getting down to what's important. This is all about voter uh, turnout. This is all about getting low, for, uh, low, low uh, propensity voters, what they call sporadic voters, to the polls for both sides. This is about the grind of the courts, the lawfare. This is not sexy. It's not easy, but we're not here to entertain you, although we will have some entertainment later because the more salacious parts of the uh, of Hunter Biden, uh, you know, his thing keep keep coming up. We're going to have that later. And Joe Hoff, we got Raheem Kassam, <clears throat> others. But we're going through the grind that's going to make a difference in your life. You're the first guy, McGinley, that really said, hey, look, the tripwire to get all this done is the safe harbor on the 8th of December. And you've got uh, the Electoral College meets in the state capitals yep. at, with the electors if they get elected. If they get nom you know, put forward on the 14th, only, you know, the, basically the Democrats, the Supreme Court and the Democratic Party conceding and the, Demo and the Supreme Court ruling 
saved it in 2000 when it was five counties and a handful of votes. Here you got a battleground. You got 60 maybe million million mail-in votes. It'll be chaotic, right, if it goes into overtime. But you're the first one to say, you know what? If this if this goes past election night, you could be going to the House of Representatives in January in a historic 1876-type scenario. And Nancy Pelosi, who I know her staff watches, they, they, they draft off Madeline Peltz and watch the, uh, watch the show, have been all over this since you first mentioned it, uh, Bill. Walk us through the contingent, this concept of the contingent election for the President of the United States. Sure. So if the if the if the election gets thrown to the House of Representatives because no candidate achieves 270 electoral votes, then the United States House of Representatives will be the body who selects the next president. The thing is about the contingent election in the House is that the votes are taken by state. So it's one state, one vote. It's not one member, one vote. And that means that California, the most populous state in the nation, is equal to one vote in that contingent election. Same as Montana, one of the least populous states. That means that you need to start looking at the state delegations to figure out who has a majority of the representatives in each state delegation. Um, Right now, the Republicans control 26, which means they have the majority. It's a majority vote. Um, And also, there's a two-thirds quorum requirement for them to even be able to get to that vote. So after we talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago, the president referenced it in 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 a rally in Pennsylvania but also Nancy Pelosi actually sent out a solicitation for a Democratic super PAC uh, talking about the need to flip some of these state delegations as an insurance policy to make sure that Donald Trump does not get a second term. Uh, the Democrats are looking at, at a multidimensional chessboard here, and they're trying to game out all the various scenarios and opportunities that they have to prevent the president from achieving a second term. That means they're looking at the contingent election process in the House of Representatives. They're looking at the objection process for the January 6th tallying and tabulation and certification of the electoral vote process. And they're looking at all of the state uh, rules that they can use to try and deny uh, President Trump 270 electoral votes to try and get their electoral slates uh, certified uh, to Uh, Congress by December 8th, so that on December 14th, it's all Democrats. One other thing that we haven't really talked about, and this is an interesting little um, wrinkle and something that people also need to start paying attention to. You remember in 2000 and 2020, uh, the Supreme Court actually uh, upheld the state laws um, preventing faithless um, electors, meaning those electors who pledge that they're for Donald Trump are required to vote for Donald Trump. They can either be fined or replaced. Same thing with uh, those for Joe Biden. There's about 15 states, I think, is the number, which means we've got 35 states out there with no mechanism to ensure that those electors actually vote the will of the people in their state. This is going to be so huge. if this thing gets as close as we're this talking about, no, this is be huge. one of the biggest things that huge. we're going to be looking at is, is going to be who are these um, electors that are not bound by state law to vote for the winner? Okay, in their this state? is. I got to jump and in. You're okay, see this is this is going to be another huge one. Write this down in your book, the, the audience, because remember, Trump, we won 306. I think we got 304, but everybody says, "Oh, but Steve and Bill, I thought the Supreme Court ruled on that, so that's not a problem." What's your answer to that, McGinley? Everybody says, "Oh no, the Supreme Court, Roberts's court, ruled on that. You can't have that again." You can't have the faithless electors 
that Trump would have really gotten his 306. What say you, sir? It's up to the state legislatures. The states, many of the states have not prescribed the rules to ensure that the electors vote the will of the people, which means you could have faithless electors in any number of states, which is why, you know, this is the multidimensional chess, right? This is why you're not only getting voters out to the, to the polls and making sure that they cast their ballots, but you're also making sure that their votes are protected um, through lawfare. You are looking at the House of Representatives in the election there in case you go to a contingent election. But immediately following Election Day, you're going to start seeing whip operations pop up for the Trump and Biden campaigns to start looking at those electors that are in states that are not bound by state statute to absolutely vote the way, uh, required to vote the way that, they, that their states vote. Um, this has really never caused a problem in the past, to my understanding. Um, I think that there are any number of electors that have broken faith with their voters um, and voted for somebody else, but usually it's in a scenario where it just it, it doesn't matter. It's almost like a protest or, or a symbolic vote. This is something that could be one of the big issues that we have that nobody's really talking about following this election. Okay, last last thing. I, I, I want to put you on the spot here because I know you're very close to many of the people working on this, and this is not a criticism. I just want an observation from somebody that the audience thinks very highly of, and you've been so brilliant about this. When you look at the left and after, you know, you and Raheem, after you had the uh, transition integrity and after you came on the show a couple of times, uh, surprise, surprise. Remember, there's no conspiracy, but there are no coincidences. Surprise, surprise. The New York Times, a couple of days later, had a huge piece that obviously got triggered from us talking about it, about the 800 elite lawyers, Mark Elias, Perkins Coy, uh, the whole team, solicitor, ex-solicitor generals, ex-U.S. attorneys and, you know, Eric Holder. Barack Obama's personal, basically, enforcer, right? And this super team of, of, of lawyers. As I've seen since that time, they're making strategic moves on doing things like, you mentioned the first thing about Minnesota, the congressional district where the marijuana candidate, who is at 0.0001%, dies. And you said, hey, that, that's going to kick it into the, you know, that and that ties, basically, if we went up in the iron range, that ties the, the delegation, that moves it from... 2623 to 1 to 2622-2, right? Wrong direction. They're already in court, you know, five days later. As we sit here today, compare, uh, just, you know, compare and contrast the strategic moves that Democrats are doing versus the strategic moves the Republican lawfare or lawyers are doing. I think the Democrats have um, a lot of very talented lawyers and a lot of money to go out and throw a lot of mud against the wall in these battleground states to see whatever advantage they can achieve in the courts that they couldn't achieve in the state legislatures. I think it's why you've seen well over 200 uh, court cases filed um, across the country by the Democrats and their like-minded outside groups. Um, I think Republicans are playing the weight game and, and, and are taking those cases, contesting them, de you know, devoting $20 million to financing the, the lawfare uh, defense against all of these uh, court cases the Democrats are filing, but really kind of counting on the federal judiciary um, to step in and restore order uh, and prevent the, ca the chaos from this. With last night's decision from uh, Justice Kavanaugh, um, we're beginning to see uh, some of the seeds of order being restored in these election processes um, in, in some of these important states. The question's going to be, um, is there enough time for the Supreme Court and the federal courts um, to restore order to the process with all of these different lawsuits that have been filed 
uh, by the Democrats um, that are frankly creating some fairly chaotic regimes out there. Um, it's a question of timing and, uh, and of resources. I think our guys are doing a great job, fully support them. Uh, they need to keep up the fight. Don't sleep. Just continue to fight um, and try and get this done. Uh, but, you know, they're up against a lot of money and a lot of lawyers. McGinley, you're a superstar. Give us, uh, give us your Twitter handle. How do people f- follow you throughout the day? Sure. I'm at WJ McGinley. That's W-J-M-C-G-I-N-L-E-Y uh, on Twitter. Okay, brother, thank you very much. Bill McGinley uh, from uh, Holtzman Vogel. And I got to tell you, a guy we're going to have on hopefully every day from now on until up. All these signal, not noise. But I must say, in summary of these first three with the lawyers, all hail glorious ACB. If you don't think that's providential, you're not a believer. She is beyond a rock star. All hail glorious ACB as we now put order versus chaos led by Justice Kavanaugh a Trump appointee followed by ACB glorious ACB if you're an establishment Republican if you've gotten suckered into the Lincoln Project right the guys in the Lincoln Project look in the mirror order versus chaos order versus chaos we're gonna be back from a chaos we're gonna go to Philadelphia Pasobic next Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. We also got huge pandemic news. I mean, the pandemic, we got to get to the to everything here in the States, Europe, all of that. We'll do that in the second hour with our resident doctor, Dr. Jack Maxey. But I want to go first, before we bring Prasobi in about Philadelphia, these, you're a Wall Street guy. You're a deal guy. The, Maxie, I got to tell you, this hard drive is insane. The it, financial crimes, the double dealing, it, the backstabbing of, of, of good institutions, the drafting off of it's. I know you've been living in this for seven or eight days. Do you have to, like, take a break every couple hours, go take a hot shower? Man, you you got to wash yourself. And, and I will tell you, some of the stuff is so disturbing that I actually feel like there's darkness around me when I'm reading it. it it's now here's They the, are the, such yeah. energetic grifters, criminals, liars. They betray all of each other all the time. I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, when this all – and by the way, it's going to go on forever. Win, lose, or draw on the third. I think you're going to have to weigh and measure what was more repulsive – the sexual depravity in the drugs or the financial? I happen to think it's going to end up financial. I think it's going to end up being the financial. Because you're screwing I think, over Lao Beijing, you're screwing I mean, over Africa. For, for example, some stuff that they didn't get into the article, but they're going to follow up with, I this hope, revolver. is, you know, you've got this uh, person in China who's their sort of handler and contacting them, talking about how they've got this inside scoop on this auction in Europe. This is the thing. From unverified and unverifiable sources, we understand the following. Entities participated in the bidding rounds for the Sinopec deal, but for whatever reason, did not end up as investors. In the end, 25 entities were selected for only 30% stake valued at 17 billion U.S. dollars. This is the kind of money we're talking about, people. Please note that this information should be conveyed as verbal cues only. And then she mentions KKR, TPG, she PAG, Citic yeah. Capital, Canada Pension Club, Club, Saudi Aramco. Joe, Joe Biden, 
My son did nothing wrong. This is the problem, Joe. It's called uh, it's called letting you know no discipline, no order, not being raised. Don't want to uh, step in and criticize a parent for raising a child, but let me do that um, because it's affecting the United States of America. It's affecting Lao Beijing, old hundred names. If it if it's just a personal thing, when who nobody would care. And and this is all from Jin Wang, right? The same person that we think is a hundred percent working for Chinese intelligence. Oh, this is essentially the case officer for Devin Archer, for James Bulger, and for Hunter Biden and everyone else associated. These particularly are all, Eric Schwerin, who they They've got the hook in you, Eric, for such a small piece of change. The rest of them are making millions, where, brother. Where's Where's Brennan? Where's Comey? Where's Clapper? Where's all the guys trash-talking Trump for years about Russia? Russia's economy smaller than New York State. And, and this is a behemoth. Here's one it's thing. funneling I, their cash back to the West to control us. I, I want to uh, mention, too, and Jin sends this one email. It says, Burnham slash BHRSOE reform fund call. As discussed on the call just now, below are the three carve-outs for Burnham's exclusivity in North America. Bally Asney Asset Management, that's spelled B-A-L-Y-A-S-N-Y. Millennium, whoa, that's a big one, Steve. And then surprise when we're dealing with this crew, the Joseph P. Kennedy Enterprises. Uh oh. Okay, we're gonna get more into that later. Be up, Jack on our Twitter feed's got a big story breaking here in the next hour. We got to get to Pasovic, but t- tell me about the audio. Well, look the 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 real Hunter Biden in his own voice. Yeah, I. So there's two two reasons we came at it from this angle. Number one, I'm still getting the nonsense pushback. Say, and and by the way, your friend Maggie Haberman even unfollowed me on 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 Twitter. Saying it's fake, Maggie. it's it's not it's not Maggie. real. It's Maggie. Russian disinformation, Maggie. all of this stuff. Maggie. So let's hear Hunter in Hunter's own words. That's number one. Number I think two, the New York Times working on a story on that. Maggie. <laughs> number Come two, on. let's hear what Hunter has Come to say. Because here's the thing: I uh, the financial stuff is going to drag baby, on baby, and baby. on and on. It's it's yes. going to have to be long form investigations for years and years and years into no, this well, stuff. I, I have one thing that doesn't have to be years and years because Wall Street should be paying attention. This All I'm is saying is they'll so, make it I know, but this is so clearly a fraud. What the SEC does when there is financial fraud, they do not wait because the monies of innocent people are at risk. The Pension SEC funds. can Pension go funds. to a federal judge and shut down every yeah. bank account He's associated right with this yeah. in a minute. Yeah, but they're going to. Well, they, they what, should, and the people right. who are involved with <laughs> Millennium and Joseph P. Kennedy but, but that's Associates my, that's my and all these we're, others we're set, we're should seven, call. We're seven days away from an election here, and the electorate needs to know about a lot of the nepotism, corruption, and the compromise that the Bidens have opened themselves up to as a result of all of these deals. And I know Jack Posobiec is going to break some news here with us in a moment as well on that. Look, I agree with you. The financial stuff is the most damning let's, stuff, and it's going to last forever. Let's get Posobiec in yeah. here so we, we, can, we can put the hook in him and keep him on for the next segment. Jack, Jack, what news? Tell us your, what news are you breaking here? And I know you're all over Philadelphia. On the Philadelphia front, what was what we saw last night was uh, very horrific scenes out of West Philadelphia, Cobb's Creek neighborhood. Twelve police officers have ended up being hospitalized. One of them was run over by a truck in a, a pickup truck, uh, an uplifted pickup truck that actually rammed into a line of police officers. It was a female sergeant supported that she may have broken her leg. She's in the hospital in Philadelphia now. And what we saw were riots, 
looting, uh, arson attacks, explosive devices being used, set off. And there is an effectively speaking, a war on police that's been declared there. It's open season. And yet the governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, Democrat, has done nothing and said nothing about this. Here we are a week away from the election, and they are literally setting Philadelphia on fire. They're setting police cars on fire. Uh, they're attacking. And you can see in these videos, I don't know if you guys have the clips, but there's videos where there's a line of police officers that's being driven back. Then the line breaks and they retreat because they actually can't stand up. The police scanner last night sounded like it was something out of Mogadishu or Ramadi uh, saying how we can't uh, we can't hold the line. We've lost 52nd Street. We've lost 52nd Street. I mean, okay. this is Jack, not the kind of stuff Jack, that we, the Pennsylvania can, citizens want to hear. Can we hold you over for the next segment? We just got to get to 90 second commercial yeah, break. Okay, Jack Posobiec, One American News, going to join us. Uh, next, we got breaking news with Posobiec. Also, more about Philadelphia, the riots there, the police riots, uh, the riots against the police. We're going to take a short commercial break. Hashtag War and Pandemic here in the live stream. We're going to hear what you have to say. We've got Miles Guo taking us out. Fight for Hong Kong. <laughs> 